I just ask now that this word comes forth, that it comes forth, that it'll change lives. It'll set people free. It'll deliver them from bondage. Lord, I thank you that we are in an extreme time and extreme measures call for extreme situations, Lord God, and for us to live an extreme life in you. Father, I thank you for the anointing that is upon this building, upon this house, and upon the people that are sitting here. Lord, that you'll open up their ears, their eyes, their minds, their hearts to receive this word today, to be changed and never to be the same in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. 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 Can I get some backlight right back here, please? Could you give me some light right here behind me? Thank you. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. And tell them to get ready. I mean, it's time for us to be able to get ready. We are talking about day two in extreme home makeovers. We're going to have a little review on day one. But first of all, I want you to understand about we have a house. We are a house. And we're talking about tearing down that house and rebuilding it. In Webster's 1828 dictionary, it says a house is a dwelling place. It's a home. It's a house or a place which one resides. It also says that it's from one's own country. I mean, we've talked about our homeland, where we're from, and what is our home country. The place of constant residence is what I want us to get a hold of today. Because we have constant residence. And do you realize that the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, takes up residence in your home? Amen? So he says, he takes up residence in your home, and the scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I want us to look at verse 19, or just jot that down. It said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Paul's asking a question. He's like, don't you know where the Spirit of God resides? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your what? With your what? Come on, church. With your what? we got to honor God with our body. Our body. This earthly vessel, this earth suit that we have. So we talked about day one was demolition. Say demolition. I mean, we talked about being extreme and tearing some things down. And we looked at the strongholds in our lives. And Wednesday night, we had an opportunity to be able to give you scriptures to get you started on the strongholds that were in our lives. How to tear down anger and resentment and bitterness. And, you know, basically what we had to do is we had to demolish from the very start. We had to take a look and become aware of how we really think and how we really believe. Because a lot of times our thoughts, our belief system is is only generated by what you know from your past, from what the people that you've been around. It could be from your parents. It could be from other things or other people that have spoken in your life. But we've got to know how we really think. How do you really think when it comes to marriage? Spouses, how how are you supposed to treat your spouse? How do we really think? Where does this come from? How about work? Are we supposed to go to work? Some of us don't even know if if we think work is a bad bad word. But not in this church, amen? Because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So I want us to begin to understand that. We begin to look at these things and we begin to understand that we've got we've to challenge our thought process. We've got to get extreme in this living for God. We've got to say, wait a minute, where did I get that from? Where did that thought come from? How did that thought get in? Wait, was it a thought that was from my old mother or father or my, my grandparents? Or, or was it a thought of old from somebody else? Was it from Aunt Martha or Uncle Fred? Or where did that thought come from? And, and is that a godly thought? And does it line up with the Word of God? Because there's so many times that people will say that, that this is what the Word says, but that's not what the Word says. Come on, somebody. 
It might be in there, but it's taken out of context. It's used to, 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 to have their own selfish desires. Amen? So we're talking about an extreme makeover. We were talking about demolition. I mean, day one in the extreme homemaker, and some of you have seen the, have seen the show, and, and, and we've talked a little bit about it. But, I mean, day one they come in, and they sit down, and they make a plan. And then they begin to demolish that, that house. I mean, they tear it right down. And, and that's the great thing about it is we've got to get extreme in tearing some stronghold down in our, strongholds down in our lives. Get your Bibles turned with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to just start out with a couple foundational scriptures. And I want to begin to, to understand how we're going to attack things on day two. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want us to look at verses probably 3, 4, and 5. But I want us to start out understanding that day one is we were demolishing the strongholds that were in our lives. Where does this come from? Well, it comes from the Word. Verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, but on the contrary. I mean, I like it when it says, on the contrary. In other words, hey, I didn't finish my thought. There's something else that I want to bring. On the contrary, the weapons that we have have divine power to demolish what? To demolish what? To demolish strongholds. And we began to look at this thing, and I did a little more research on it. The, the, the word stronghold in the Greek, you can look it up. It comes from two different words, and it's, uh, it's pronounced katharesis, and it means demolition. It means extinction. I mean, we are to demolish things and bring them to extinction. No longer to be alive in our lives, to become extinct. Now, that word comes from another Greek word, karitho, which it means to lower or with violence, listen, demolish. I mean, not just, I think I'll just, I think I'll do just a little sweeping job. No, let's sweep that thing up. Let's, 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 let's get it with violence. Let's go after it. Because we've got to begin to look at some strongholds that are in our lives and say, wait a minute, how did that get there? And number one, why is it there? How did it get there? And how can I get it out? And I've got to tear that stronghold down. Let's just, let's just pull some strongholds down this morning, can we? Let's just reach up and pull this thing down. Come on, just pull it down. Any stronghold we got, we're just going to start pulling it down. Anger, resentment, jealousy, you've got to pull it down. You're going to have to pull it down. Some of you have got to get violent with it and go, get, get it, get, get it. I mean, we, got, we can't mess around. We've got to pull that thing down. Just, well, I'll get it. I got news for you. It's not coming down. If you just reach up like that, it's not coming down. But you got to go up and you got to grab a hold of it because the Word said that we're to take it by force. Violent men take it by force. Amen? So we begin to understand that we are to demolish every stronghold. We are to lower. We are to demolish. We are to bring it. It stinks. I mean, doesn't even last in our lives any longer. It means to cast down. It means to pull down. It means to destroy. Verse 5, we demolish every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. I was during praise and worship, I could hear the thoughts of some people in this place. I could hear your thoughts. And you've got to pull those thoughts down. You've got to take those thoughts captive. 
And you've got to say, wait a minute. God, this is trying to get me off a track of, of worshiping you. This is trying to get me off track of being who I really am in you. Because we, it's, it's, it's a battle that takes place. If you're going to demolish something, you're going to have to demolish your thought process. Because that's where it begins. It begins thinking about it. It begins dwelling on it. It begins to say, wait a minute, i got a thought process that this is the way it's supposed to be. And what does that thought process come from? Does it come from the Word of God? Or does it come from Aunt Martha? Some of you have thought processes that you've gotten from families or friends or teachers in the past that have said, you're no good, you can't do anything. You'll never amount to nothing. And then that's a thought process that's in there, and it continually comes back. And you say, wait a minute. And then every time you start to move forward, you hear that voice. You hear that thought that said, you're not good enough. You're not tall enough. You're not short enough. You're not big enough. You're not little enough. Don't have enough education. You got too much education. You name it, there's all sorts of thought processes that are out there. But my word, the word of God, says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it says, all things to those that believe. Say, I believe. I mean, there's times where we've got to say, wait a minute, God, you, you said it, I believe it. But there's many times where I say, I believe it for Jeremiah. But I don't know if I believe it for myself. We've got to demolish that stronghold. We've got to pull it down. He said, wait a minute. The Bible says there's no respecter of person. What he does for one, he'll do for another. But listen, he is a respecter of your position. If you're in a greater position, a closer position with God, he'll respect that. Oh, come on, somebody. He respects your position. He'll put you in position. Trust me, being a baseball coach years ago, if somebody was on first base, didn't bother us. No problem. But they got to second base, we were concerned. They were in scoring position now. A ball hit to the right field deep, they can get in. A ball hit deep to the left field or the center, they can get in. If it's a ground ball, they can get in. They can score from second base. So we didn't really be concerned about whether they were on first base or not, but when they got to second base, they were concerned. How about third base? Are they really in scoring position then? See, that's what we've got to do. We've got to get ourselves in position where we can begin to score all the time. We've got to begin to get ourselves in position with the Word of God that will begin to demolish those strongholds. Now, Wednesday night, we took a step to that. We, asked, we had, had you fill out cards, and we had you ask questions. What are some things that, that, you, that you've heard from the past or ideas that you might have you know, about the Word of God? And we allowed you to come in, and we, you didn't have to put your name on them. But I want to open that up to you. If you've got any questions at all, behind your seat, in the back of your seats, there's some white three-by-five cards. We're asking you to fill them out. If you've got a question, why this, why that? Why do we lift our hands during praise and worship? Why do we dance? What about the flags? You know, every God created the colors, and you know, color means something to God. He created them. And when you see something, and it's a banner, and it has color, then it obviously represents something. I look at my wife, the beautiful blue dress that she's got on now. But blue also means revelation. Say revelation. So I know that she flows with revelation. Amen? I mean, you, you can begin to look at those things and say, wow, that is fantastic. I didn't realize that. Yeah, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God is involved in everything. And he's involved in the colors. Didn't he put a rainbow in the sky and said, I'll never flood the earth again? Didn't he make a promise to you, to us, that he would never flood the earth again? 
So if you have questions, please don't hesitate to write them down, get it to us. We're not sure how, if it's a personal question and you want us to contact you personally, put your name on it. If it's a general question, doesn't matter what kind of question it is. We've even had some, if you've got questions about us personally, ask us. If you've got questions about this ministry, ask us. I mean, there's all sorts of wacky stuff out there. Come on, somebody. And if you know the truth, the truth of what? It'll set you free. You guys are awesome. You know the word of God. So we're going to look at demolition. But today is day two. Say day two. So today is day two. And what normally happens on the show in day two is they basically have a cleanup and they prepare the foundation. We've got to begin to clean it up. We got the house torn down. The thing's a mess. I mean, it's just destroyed. But now we've got to begin to start the cleanup process, and that's not easy, is it? I mean, it's starting getting out there. When I was in North Carolina, there, was a, there were many hurricanes that we went through, but one in particular, I mean, there was debris everywhere. And the sun came out the next morning, and I mean, it, it, it rained. You know, we call it raining sideways. It rained sideways. You know, the rain didn't come down. It was sideways. It rained sideways for six hours while this hurricane came in and hit the coast and came back off the coast. And then it walked out that morning, and it was about 8 o'clock in the morning. It was on a Saturday morning. And I remember looking up, and I saw, I mean, it was a beautiful day. Beautiful Lord's Day. I looked up, and I saw the clouds and the blue sky, and, and it was just, the sun was just beautiful. And I looked around, and there was debris everywhere. We've seen it here, haven't we? Tree limbs all over the place. I mean, the guy's neighbor's, neighbor's barn was, you know, in pieces, and it was all up and down the road. I mean, we began to look at that. And now we had to clean it up. There were some people that just wept because their faith wasn't in the Lord. Come on, somebody. And they just looked, and all the stuff they had was demolished. Well, maybe they didn't have insurance or something. So, you know, if I got insurance, I'm not going to worry about it. Amen? Come on, somebody. So we've we got to be able to begin to clean up. So as we begin to clean up these things. So I want to take a look at it. I want us to, to look at it where we are right now on this video real quick because it's day two, and we're going to begin to clean up Prepare the foundation. Write this down. Become aware of how God wants you to think. Become aware of how God wants you to think and believe.
And then once after they get the demolition done, they've got to put down a foundation. And in order to put down the foundation, it's got to be clear, it's got to be clean, it's got to be level. The, the plumbing comes in, the heating and air units come in, they do all the piping, they level it up, get ready to pour the concrete, and then the concrete is beginning to be poured. So you can see the concrete is, is beginning to be poured, it's screeded, and it's got to be founded on the Word of God. And that is the Word of God in the foundation of actually our home. And we, we founded our, our home on the Word of God physically and spiritually. Then they came back in and they began to pour the rest of the concrete. It took almost about three hours for them to be able to finish pouring the concrete, but you can see how it was being poured, it was being leveled, it was being screeded off, it was being, uh, you know, you navigated around the pipes and the plumbing and the heating and air units that were there. And then after they began to... Uh, to finish up the rest of the pouring, we began to see and let it dry. It had, to, it had to dry, and you can begin to see the factual foundation now that it is beginning to be set up with. Amen? So we, that's what we're going to do today. Amen? Amen? So as we begin to understand about the foundation, the preparation, and cleaning of it up, what you saw there was actually the foundation of our home when we poured our home. Our, our foundation was built upon the Word of God. And physically, when you cross our threshold in our home, you will actually cross the Word of God. Now, I know some people are like, you know, that's, that's, that's not right to be putting the Word of God in the foundation, but that's not biblical, that you think it's not right. Amen? It's like, you know, it, it, my, my, my life is founded on the Word of God. Why can't my home be founded on the Word of God? Amen? And it's actually open to Psalms 91. So today, we're going to talk, that, talk about that. We're going to take a look at that. We've seen where the demo has taken place. Now, did you notice that on day two, when they started cleaning up some things, you began to see where not only when they cleaned it up, but they ran in, and Paul and this other guy, they wanted to save some things for demo. So what I'm telling you is that when you demo your extreme home makeover, you demo your thought process, if you've got a God thought process, don't tear it down. Come on. You know, and at that point, they were actually doing demo for, for a, a, a homeowner that was blind. And they were wanting to make it to where they had the carpets that were different textures. They knew he was, if he was on the carpet, it would take him to all the different rooms. They put on a different texture on each wall to where we would touch the wall, and he would know exactly what room he was in. So we're going to take a look at how we can do that today. So let's take a look at that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I want us to look at verses 9 through 11. You can bring the house lights back up, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. While you're turning there, I want to just share with you, we're going, we've got, first thing we've got to do is get cleaned up. Say, clean up. Turn to your neighbor and say, get cleaned up. You know, a lot of us come in, and we've already taken showers, I hope, and, and we've gotten cleaned up, unless, unless you've just gotten off of work or something like that, and that's fine. If you've worked all night long, and you come in this morning, and you're not cleaned up, that's all right. Amen? Well, we're going to take a look at this. Hebrews, let me just write these down. Hebrews 9.14 it says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit himself, unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. We see the blood of Christ. We want to destroy the bad stuff. And that was one of the, one of the, uh, the, the, the makeover team said, we just want to go in and get anything that's good before we destroy all the bad stuff. And that's what we're after today. We're after destroying these bad stuff. 
Hebrews 10.22 says this, Let us draw near to God with a sincere and full heart in assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, listen, and cleansed from a guilty conscience. See, when we come in for praise and worship, it's the time for us to get it right. When you come in, you might be carrying baggage, you might be, you got strings that are attached to you. Just let the Spirit of God begin to flow over you. And say, okay, God, boy, I didn't treat my brother real good yesterday, and I, I just ask you for forgiveness. There's a time of a cleansing that, that I go through on a daily basis, and I want to encourage you to go through on a daily basis. A daily basis. So we're going to take a look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Everybody there say amen. amen. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you, excuse me, do not be deceived, neither by the sexual immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Did he get everybody in that one? (laughs) I mean, he's got us all in that one. But look at this next scripture. He says, and that is what some of you were. Somebody say, praise God for Jesus. I mean, that is what some of us were. Oh, come on, somebody. That is what I was. I was those things and more. But that was then. This is now. Look at the next scripture. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. Whoo! You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoo! I was washed. I was, I was sanctified. I was justified. You know what? I was washed. I was cleansed. I took the shower. I said, hey, God, I don't know if I can do this anymore because I'm trying to do it on myself. And I was washed. And the Word began to wash me. And it washed some things out of me. And all of a sudden, I said, wait a minute. Now I need to be sanctified. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I became sanctified and justified, which means the righteousness of God. That when I sin, I got an advocate with the Father. I don't have to sin any longer. But when I do, I can go to Him and say, Abba, Father, I am sorry. I confess my sin. And according to Your Word, You said it's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So now I'm washed again by the Word of God. I am sanctified, put in right relationship with God again. And that's what we got to get to, church. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord some praise in this house. That's what we got to get to we got to stop messing around with the stuff that's in our lives that's not of God. Because when it boils down to it, and you meet Him, and listen to me, it doesn't matter what you believe, you will meet Him. You will meet your Maker. The ones who formed you and created you. In the throne room of God, and your spirit, and put it into an earth suit, and you dwelt among right here on this earth. And you dwelt among all the other, all of us in these earth suits. You will meet him. Well, some people say, well, I don't believe that. It doesn't matter what you believe. You don't have to believe that. You're still going to meet him. You wait and see. And then the only thing that will be matter, the only thing that will matter is what you've done for him. Come on, somebody. That's the only thing that will matter. It doesn't matter how big a business you build or how big a home you got or whether you live in a small cracker box house. It doesn't matter. What matters is what you, what, what you do for him. 
You know, you can earn all this money and you can, you can give all your money away, but if you don't have Jesus and you die today, it's not a good thing. Come on, somebody. There are people that need to know him. And there are people, listen, that are looking at you. And they're going, you go to that church. They already think the church is wacky, so don't worry about it. Amen? But what's going to happen is because you're being extreme. I'm getting out of debt. I'm getting out of debt. I'm getting out of debt. I don't know about you, but I'm getting out of debt. i got a seven-year plan. I'm getting out of debt. I'm telling you, I'm speaking it forth. I'm declaring it today that seven years from now, people's homes are going to be paid off right here in this sanctuary. Seven years, homes paid off, debts demolished. I'm out of debt. My needs are met. i got plenty more to put in store. Amen? And we'll be able to do whatever God wants us to do. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but it kind of gets me excited. Well, I don't know. Does the Bible say? Yeah, the Bible says we're to owe no man nothing but to love him. We've gone through the scriptures on debt, and you can see how it's a bondage. You can see how it pulls you down. It doesn't allow you to do what God wants you to do. Can I get an amen? So we begin to see that we were all these things, but we were washed. Say, I'm washed. Say, I'm sanctified. Say, I'm justified. I'm I'm washed, sanctified, and justified. I'm made righteous in God. It's not something that I can do, but God did for me. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross, rose again in three days. Come on, somebody. And he, he put us in right relationship with him. I am the righteousness of God. I am cleansed by the power of God. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. But see, now we got to be extreme. And that's, I'm telling you, when you start telling them you go to that extreme church, that's exactly what the word is for it. They don't know what we're talking about. They go, you go to that church, and now you just tell them, say, yeah, I go to that extreme church. We're an extreme church for God. And that's exactly what they think. There are some people out there that go, they, 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 they're kind of wacky with the Jesus. Really? That's what you say, but my father says. That he loves it. In fact, when we worship him like we did this morning, it's a sweet-smelling aroma to his, in the throne room of God, to his nostrils. That's what my father says. Now, I would rather please my daddy than please you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you. Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. A pure heart. We've got to have a pure heart. A pure heart before the Lord today. And that's what we're talking about. Getting extreme, demolishing some things. It also says to renew a steadfast spirit within me. Isaiah 1.16 says, Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Listen, this is what is in the Word. Is it all right if I just give you the Word? And here's what he says in the Word. This is the prophet Isaiah. He says, stop doing wrong. Ouch. Why can't we be extreme? Why can't we stop doing wrong? Well, you know, I like it. It's fun when I do it. It's fun for a little while. It's fun going out to the club and dancing and throwing down. But then in the morning when, you, when you're on the throne, what about fun there? Is that a lot of fun? I want to just, I mean, I had to slap myself upside the head sometimes and go, if this is fun, they tell me this is fun. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Turn with me to Ezekiel. Let's look at some Old Testament scriptures real quick. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 18. 
Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Ezekiel chapter 18, or page number 1424. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. If you're at Daniel, go left. Ezekiel chapter 18. Let's look at verses. Let's look at verse. We'll start off at verse 30. Again, we're talking about being cleaned up. Say cleaned up. We're talking about being what? Getting cleaned up. I mean, we've got to clean up all that debris. Wasn't it neat? I mean, they had, they got that one guy, come in, he come in and talk like this. And he said, you know, they, 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 they have one truck over here and it just takes the stuff and it puts it over here and it puts it in another truck down here. And it just, truck drives away and it's cleaned up. Think about that. That's what we've got to do. What we do is we stuff it under the rug. And people open up our front door and they can't see us. Anybody home? Because there's a big mountain underneath that front rug. Stop sweeping it under the rug. Put it in the trash can. Those of you that are computer, how many of y'all have a computer here? Put it in the recycle bin. Delete that bad boy. See ya. Dump that thing out. Don't you have to clean your recycle bin out every now and then? Huh? I mean, I don't know about you, but I have to with mine. Because I put a lot of stuff in that trash can. Get cleaned up. Ezekiel chapter 18. Let me get to the word. Verse 30. He says, therefore, O house of Israel, is it not your ways that are unjust? Ways declares the sovereign Lord. Excuse me. O house of Israel, will I judge each one according to his ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Say repent. Turn away from all your offenses and sin, and you will not be your downfall. In other words, sin will not be your downfall. See, a lot of times we don't realize it. And we think we can get by with some things, but it turns out to be our downfall. But he says if we repent and turn away from our offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Verse 31. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Wow. So if I get rid of these things, then I'll get a new heart and a new spirit. We see in an extreme makeover home edition, we see that they have to get rid of the house in order to give them a new house. There's some things that we've got to tear down that are in our heart that God says, I want to give you a new heart. I want to give you a new spirit, which is the spirit of God, my spirit. And it will bring compassion and love and the fruits of the Spirit will come forth when you have the Holy Spirit. He says, rid yourself of all offenses that you have committed and you get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. And then he says, repent and live. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Ezekiel. 36. Let's go to chapter 36. All right, we're just going to lay down some foundation. We're going to look at this. We're going to take this. Ezekiel 36. I want us to look at verse 25. See, we see that if we have offenses, we won't have a new heart. If we have sin, we won't have a new heart. We won't get a new spirit. And we can't get it without a new heart. If you're going to have offenses in your life, you are not going to be able to to get the new heart and the new spirit that God wants us to have. 
if you have sin, well, we all sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short from the glory of God. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. But I also said I have an advocate with the Father that when I do sin, when I do miss the mark, that I can ask the Lord and he'll forgive me and bring me back into right relationships. He'll wash me. Say, God will wash me. I mean, that doesn't give you a legal right just to go out and sin tonight and then just say, well, God will wash me. No, that doesn't do it. Well, let's see. Let's see if, if Israel in the natural got their new heart and their new spirit. Did I tell you what verse? 25. Verse 25 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be what? And you'll be what? How many of you know that when God washes you, you clean? You, somebody needs to know that today. That you are washed by the blood of the Lamb, and you are made clean. That's going to set you free. He says, I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. There we go. And put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, sometimes we got stony hearts. You know some people, they got a hard heart. Oh, I mean Uncle Festus. He's got a hard heart. Every time I go over to Uncle's house, I mean, it's just, he just don't budge for nothing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's some people that we know that have hard hearts. And maybe you. There may be parts of your heart that's hard. But he says, I want to give you a new heart. And he put in you a new, new spirit. He says, I will remove from your heart of stone, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws, to keep his principles, to keep the precepts that are set forth in this word of God. You will live in a land that I will give to your forefathers. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Wow. I mean, this is Israel in the natural. And we're supposed to be Israel in the spiritual. We are grafted in. Okay? The gospel first went out to the Jews, the Israelis, Israelites. They were split, Judah and Israel. David brought them back together. God has grafted us in with Israel. So in the Old Testament, when you see Israel in the natural, you can listen to the history, you can talk about the history, but it's the spiritual side that you've got to look at in the Old Testament to say, we're Israel. We are grafted in with Israel. And I need a new heart. Oh, come on, somebody. I need a heart transplant. Oh, man, when I was 21, I needed a heart transplant because things were hard. Things were difficult. I had a stony heart. I just soon beat you up. Leave you dead, laying in the ditch, than anything else. Can I tell the truth here today? But something happened. Something happened when, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Something happened to my heart. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. I don't have it figured out medically. They don't have a, a name for it. But it's a heart transplant that began to happen. And I allowed myself, and the Spirit of God came on me. And all of a sudden, something was changed in my life, and I was not going to be the same. 
And I said, hey, I got to do some extreme makeover myself. I didn't know what they called it back then, but I knew there were some things in my life that had to be torn down, some rot that was there that had to be pulled out, some commodes that had to be busted, taken out, torn down, cabinets had to be ripped out, roofs had to be down. I mean, the walls had to be taken down. There were some things in my life that I realized I had to do some demolition work. And now we get to the point where we're at day two where we've done some demolition work. We've pulled down some strongholds. And now God says, hey, get it cleaned up. We get it cleaned up because you can't build a foundation until it's cleaned up. Hello? Can I get a witness? I mean, they wouldn't allow us to build a foundation until it was cleaned up. We had to level it. We had to get it formed up, ready to go, ready to be what God wanted it to be in order to support the house. I'll get to that in just a moment. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, what happens when you get cleaned up? You get a new heart. What happens when you get cleaned up? Oh, you got a new spirit. I mean, there's a bounce in your step. There's something that's taking place. Something's changed. You treat people differently. You speak differently, you're supposed to. See, that was one of the things that for me, I mean, I, you talk about a sailor, a sailor had nothing over me. I could cuss a blue streak, that's what I was told. You could cuss a blue streak. <gasps> Look, that was 20-some years ago. Confession's good for the soul, amen? But I mean, it was like, and I was like, God, you know what? Sometimes we get to the point where we don't even know what we're saying. We don't hear it. It comes in, you know, in, 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 talk to the hand because the head's not listening. Amen? But, you know, we get to the point where we don't know what we're saying. And I said, God, if I've got this new heart and this new spirit within me, give me new ears. And all of a sudden, I could begin to hear what was coming out of my mouth, and I didn't like what was coming out of my mouth. I didn't like it. But now, all of a sudden, my ears were open because when my ears were open, it pierced my heart. And I said, ooh, is that me? Is that me? Am I representing Christ that way? Am I the one that's cussing, fussing, fighting, and biting? And I'm the one that, that I'm supposed to be a Christian? I'm going in to minister to somebody, and I'm going to pray for them, and i got a filthy, rotten, nasty, stinking mouth? Can I teach it? <laughs> Come on. Did you all want me to sit down? You all want me to go home? I'm, I'm just telling you me. It may not be you, but it was me. And then the new spirit, my new heart, began to, be, it began to be pierced because of what was coming out of my mouth. And I said, i got to change. I can't keep that. Again, demolition work. Something had to be torn down, a stronghold that was there. I said, I can be a born-again Christian, I can be a believer, and I can still cuss. Sweet and sour don't flow out of the same fountain. They're looking at you and going, what's up with that? And then you say, brother, oh, great experience. I mean, my preacher's preaching on home makeovers, buddy, the home edition. I mean, he's wearing a hard hat and doing all sorts of stuff, and they're going to look at you and go, I'm not going to your church. If you are a product of that church, why would I go? If you're no different than the world, why would I go? He called us to be set apart from the world. Oh. I don't know if they're getting it, Lord. Well, what do I got to do? I don't know if they're getting it today, God. We were supposed to be set apart, God. We are kings and priests. 
that we have a kingly and priestly anointing on our lives. When you become a Christian, when you become born again, you have a kingly anointing for authority. You have a priestly anointing for the priesthood in your home and in your life. Things are to be changed. They're to be different. They already know we're different. And they're watching you. Turn to your neighbor and say, they're watching you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, they're watching you. Because the, even, the, even the Pharisees are watching you. How many of you know the Pharisees watch Jesus? The other religious folk, they're watching you. They're watching to see whether or not you're demolishing anything, whether or not you're getting something cleaned up, whether or not you're becoming pure before the Lord. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. The closer I got to him, the position that I began to get, and I got closer to him and closer to him and closer to him and closer to him. God didn't have to yell. It's like our children. Hello? If we see you face to face, we don't have to yell at you. But if they're way over yonder, Hey! Are you over there? Anybody home? Come on for dinner. But when they're right next to me, all I got to do is say, it's time to eat. So God does respect the position that you have with him. The question is, do you respect the position that you have with him? Can you move into a greater position? Can you get yourself in a better position now in order to lay the foundation? Jesus says in Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of a cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Oh, He says, blind Pharisee. In other words, you're blind. You don't know what you're doing. You're washing the outside. He says this. He says, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside will be clean. Didn't Jesus himself say it's not what goes in the man that defiles him. It's what comes out of the man. Somebody asked me the other day if I ate pork. And, I mean, it's a, I don't have a problem with the question. I said, you know, but I eat pork, but, it, but it's not, I'm not going to not eat it because there's a law in the book that says you're not supposed to eat that because Jesus said it's not the pork that makes me unclean. It's what comes out of my body that defiles a man. It's what comes out of my mouth that defiles the man. I mean, you can, you can, you can work your tail off and speak a word that's negative, speak a word that, that is not of God, and it will just, you start all over. Why chance it? Why chance it? Because you get around a group of guys, and they're telling jokes. Why do I participate? I don't participate. I walk away. There's been times where I've said, look, if you're going to tell that joke, and they're like, well, you probably wouldn't like it, preacher. I said, good. If I wouldn't like it, then you shouldn't tell it. Well, I'm going to tell it anyway. Good. You're going to tell it to the back of my head. And I walk away. Are you with me? Why should I partake just to be cool? Just to be cool? Just to be part of the, what the world's doing? <laughs> you know what my wife did? Why do we get into doing stuff like that? We go comparing how bad our wives are. Oh, I'm sure it's nobody in here. I'm just preaching to the choir. We go in comparing how bad our husbands are. Boy, my husband did that, my husband did that, and he did this, and he did that. Are you with me? Don't do that. Don't do that. 
Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but that which is edifying and uplifting administers grace to those that hear it. Turn to your neighbor and say, You're a man or woman of God, depending on their gender, all right? (laughs) I mean, you know, if it was a woman, you were supposed to say you're a woman of God. You know, okay, y'all got that? Turn with me to Titus chapter 2. I got to get going, man. You guys just, just don't leave me much time. Titus 2. We're just going to get into this. Titus 2. It's in the New Testament. Timothy, Titus. Titus chapter 2. I'm going to, let's look at verses 11 through 14. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Say all men. It teaches us to say what? Teaches us to say what? Teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. How many times have I talked to somebody and said, oh, you know, I got to sow my seat, seats and wild oats while I can because, you know, I, I want to go be in heaven. I got to be good. They're worried about that age. And he's saying you better be concerned about this age. Say no to ungodliness. Now, obviously, there's two things. Not only is there ungodliness, but there's worldly passions or worldly desires that may be godly, but it may bring yourself away from God because he says, say no to both of them. Do you see that? Do you see that? You got the eye of the eagle? Do you see that? He says, not only say no to ungodly uh, ungodliness and worldly passions, because there are some passions in this world that can trip us up from the things of God. I got a passion or I got a desire to retire. By the time I'm 45, and those people will step on you, they'll, they'll cheat you out of everything you got just to get that passion or desire. Are you with me? So we've got to look at it. James 4, 5 or 4, 8 says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. We're going to look at foundation. Say foundation. So we've looked at the clean up. We've got to get cleaned up. Say, I've got to get cleaned up. We've got to clean up. We've got our debris laying everywhere. We've got to get it cleaned up. We've got to look at the word foundation. The word foundation means the lowest part of a building. The word foundation says upon what it rests, and, and it has to hold up the things that are strong. The word foundation also says a stable base, which a building is built upon. In my 1828 dictionary, it says the basis or groundwork of anything that on which anything stands and by which it is supported. So the foundation has got to be of God. Write this down. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Luke 6, 46. Jesus talks about the, the, the builder. And he says, you know what? He said, one built their house upon the rock, which was the firm foundation. One built their house, which would, they actually didn't have a foundation. They just built it on the sand, and it was just sitting there on the sand. They didn't have the firm foundation. And he said, then when the winds came, or the torrent came, or the hurricane came, or the tornado came, it tore up the building that had a, that had a sandy foundation because it just washed it right out from underneath it. There's a lot of us that are allowing our foundation is not built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and we're just allowing the foundation to crumble. 
And maybe it needs to crumble. Maybe you just need to get a jackhammer and just tear that foundation up. You can start over. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can start over. There's some people that need to know they can start over today. Well, you don't understand, preacher. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand what I've been involved in. No, no, you don't understand how big God is. He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. He's El Shaddai. He will give you another chance, another chance. He's more than a God of just second chances. He's a God of many chances. He's kept me, held me, blessed me, protected me in ways that I, can, I can't protect myself. And we've got to understand that we can start over. If you've got a foundation that's cracked, it's it's not built on the rock. You better start over with that foundation. Tear it down. Redo it. Level it. Get the air conditioning done. Get the plumbing finished. Get all those things that need to be done to start on that foundation so you can build a house that God wants you to build. Amen? We want to be able to build a house that God wants us to build. We've got to begin to look at that. So I want to encourage you to take those scriptures and begin to start looking at the foundation that God has. What is your foundation on? See, we not only need to lay the foundation, but we need to finish it. Just don't lay a foundation, but we need to not only lay the foundation, but build on it. I mean, if we build on it, and we build out of gold, we build out of silver, we build out of the things that aren't going to disappear when the fire comes and be purified, then we're going to have a house that's going to stand. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to look at verses 10 through 15. Last scriptures I'm going to give you today to, to look up. But I want to give you a few before we go home. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to look at verses 10 through 15. Everybody there say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Verse 10. For by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Ooh, doggy. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burnt up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple, and God's Spirit lives in you? And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Hallelujah. That just gets me excited when I think about I'm building a foundation, and it's because I am the temple of God. Say that, I'm the temple of God. I mean, how else is God to infiltrate the earth? God is going to infiltrate the earth by being in you and you go into your workplace. You go into the marketplace. You go into the doctor's office or the lawyer's office or wherever you may go. You go into the restaurant. You go into these different places and the Spirit of God goes with you. And things begin to change. But you know what? If it's day two, let's get pure. Let's get cleaned up. Let's stop messing around with the stuff we've been messing around. Some of you guys are going around the same mountain you've been going around for years. Stop it. 
Stop it. Cut it out. Quit. Don't go there. Don't do that. No more. Don't you realize you don't have to? See, that's what I had to realize myself, that I didn't have to. I thought I was in bondage to sin. But no, I rule over sin now. Sin's not having its way with me. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be transformed into the image of God and into the likeness of God. How is that going to happen? It's only going to happen when you demolish your house and you get it cleaned up and pour a foundation on Christ. Not on your wife or not on your husband, but on Christ. Not on your kids, your son or daughter. You can't pour a foundation on them. It's got to be poured on Christ. Christ has to be the chief cornerstone. The foundation, Ephesians 2.20, I think is the apostles and prophets. One of the things that I was asking the Lord, how many of you know you have to pour a footing where the walls go? And that's part of the foundation. But a lot of times contractors say, well, that's, you know, that you got to pour the footing, then the foundation. No, the footing is part of the foundation. It's almost like when the scripture that I just read that Christ has to lay the foundation, it's like Christ has to be the footing. And then you can come in and lay the foundation on top of it. Are you with me? Do y'all get that? See, because the house isn't going to stand without the footing. You can pour a four-inch foundation. But without the footing, they won't even let you put a wall up on it. And God says, I want to be your footing. I want to be where you pour it 12, 18 inches deep. I want to be to where when there is a stone laid upon it, that that stone that I have brought, that I bring it forth, that it will be solid and it will not move. So day two of our extreme home makeover. We got to get pure. We got to begin to lay the foundation. There's just so many things we got to get done. People, it's time to get something done. Don't you understand? We got to demolish the strongholds that are there. We can't have it any longer. We got to come in and get that stuff cleaned up. We you get it cleaned up and move it over there? Put it in that trash can over there, right over here. Lady, we got to get moving. We got a lot to do. Our foundation is cracked. We got to do something. Wake up. You need this. You got to have something. We got to be able to do something different. You got to tear that foundation down. And we got to get it cleaned up. And let's build and prepare a new foundation. We don't have time to mess around. It's getting busy. It's getting late. The days are coming. They're drawing shorter. We got to do more for the kingdom of God. People, let's get busy. Can we do this? Yes, we can do it. God is good. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's do this. Say in the name of Jesus. I'm tearing down the walls, the strongholds in my life. I am building on the rock of Jesus, on the solid foundation, the foundation of Christ. Anything else doesn't matter. It'll wash away. I am building on the footing of Christ.
a solid foundation for my house. In Jesus' name, give him some praise in his house. Amen. It's time for us to get busy. It's time for us to get busy. But there's a day coming. There's a day coming, church. There's a sense of urgency in the spirit. And there's got to be a sense of urgency in the natural. There's a sense of urgency in the spirit. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes a moment. I want to ask you today. You must be born again. In in order for this foundation to be built. Where are you with Jesus Christ? If he returned this, this afternoon, would you be ready? Look, you don't, you don't have to wait and try to get things right in your life before you come to him. Because now is the time to come to him. Now is the time. You don't have to get things straightened out. You don't, you don't have to get things undone. You, don't, you just come to him. And he'll begin to give you a new heart and a new spirit. I want to ask you if that's you today. Every eye closed, please. This is a very personal, private thing. Every eye closed. I mean, the angels in heaven are tuning up. They're rejoicing. If that's you today and you say, you know what? I, I have not given my life to Jesus Christ, but I want to today, Pastor. Will you pray for me? Will you help me do that today? Because I want to put my foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ and not on the sand. Every eye closed, please, every head bowed. If that's you today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just put your hand up to me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. Any other hands? Any other hands here today? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 